God gives permission to laugh, to be joyful. And so one of the gifts of God's fatherly love to us, one of the things we can recognize about love and Father's Day is that it can be humorous. You can laugh. Well, as hopefully most of you know by now, I'm Pastor Angela. I'll be here with you about every other week throughout the summer while Pastor Natalia is on her sabbatical. I've heard a little bit from her throughout her sabbatical and I think she's having a really great time. I know she misses all of you and misses being here, um, but I know she's gonna bring back so much richness with her from this time away. So I'm very glad to be with you. And thank you, especially to Katie, who's been helping me out. Uh, in this time. So today, many of you are probably thinking about the fact that today is Father's Day. And I feel like Father's Day, um, I don't know, maybe it's just my husband complaining, but sometimes it gets kind of left behind in the holidays. Um, so we have Mother's Day, kind of this beginning of spring. It's an exciting time. Um, and then in our family, uh, we have our wedding anniversary. We got married on June 11th. Weren't really thinking at that time that that would mean back-to-back -back weekends of holidays. Um, and then we have last day of school here in Minnesota for a lot of kids right in that same kind of time period. And then once you get to Father's Day, it's kind of like you're at the end of this busy, busy time. There's sports, there's thunderstorms, there's lots of things going on. And it's kind of like, all right, come on, kids, let's gather together a few things. Maybe we can put together, I don't know, some golf tees, golf balls, maybe something like that. Maybe do some kind of barbecue, maybe some fishing stuff, I don't know. Um, and so it kind of gets, gets left behind a little bit. Um, and I've also noticed this, I know this is something Natalia and I have talked about before, that in Mother's Day, even among pastors, there's always a lot of conversation about, well, how do we talk about Mother's Day in the church? And, uh, you know, you have this conversation about Mary and how to understand Mary as the mother of Jesus. Um, and then in Father's Day, there's just not as much conversation about how to handle it in the church. And I think that actually kind of does um, a disservice to dads. And maybe it's because in our culture, we kind of associate so much motherhood with womanhood and Father's Day and manhood, fathers and manhood, doesn't have the same strong association. Um, but the truth is that lots of people have complicated feelings on Father's Day too, just as much on as Mother's Day. I'm sure that many of you today maybe experience grief on Father's Day you miss a father who has died or a dad who's not with you here today for whatever reason. Maybe there's been a broken relationship or conflict. Maybe you've wanted to be a dad and you haven't been able to. Maybe you've even experienced the painful loss of a child. Um, so even though in the church, you know, we don't always want to focus on quote-unquote hallmark holidays, what I do think the Bible offers for us today and what we see in all three of our scripture readings today are really helpful ways to understand what it means to have a fatherly love. 
And now again, I want to help us to distinguish between, you know, thinking about fatherhood and masculinity. Those aren't necessarily the same things. Um, but today, so what we're talking about is not, you know, the masculinity of God necessarily. But what we're talking about is how God shows us a fatherly love. And so that kind of love doesn't have to only come from biological fathers or even only from men. Maybe you've had a woman in your life who has offered you a fatherly kind of love. And so I want to open that possibility for all of us today as we think about Father's Day and think about the kind of love that God shows us and gives us in the world. So I hope you all were listening when Carol read for us this morning, because I'm going to go through each of the three scripture readings. But I feel like, is this coming out a little? I always try to wear earrings so you can tuck it right behind and it won't move. So we'll start out with Psalm 100. And Psalm 100 is one of the most celebratory passages throughout the whole Bible. And so I'm going to give you one single word from each of these scripture passages to help us understand a fatherly love. And so Psalm 100, it begins, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, what's the most joyful noise you can think of hearing? What was that? Singing? Oh, you must have a better voice than me. <laughs> Baby's first cry? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Although, like, the hundredth cry, not as joyful. <laughs> what do you think back there, buddy? Yeah? So what I, those are all very joyful noises. What I'm going to focus on today as I think about fatherly love is laughter. I remember when we're thinking about babies, um, when my first son was born, we were living out in San Francisco. We didn't have any family nearby. We were pretty young parents. And so, yeah, those early cries, those lots of sleepless nights, lots of tiredness. And it came right around to maybe he was about six weeks, seven weeks old. And in the middle of the night, as I was changing his diaper, for the first time, he not only smiled, but giggled and laughed. And it was just the most joyful thing that I had ever heard in the world. And so I think one of the gifts that we can think about today for fatherly love is this permission to laugh. And one of the easiest places to get people to laugh, even if you tell kind of a dumb joke or story, is actually at a funeral. Because I think maybe you can all relate that when you've come to a place and you're surrounded by grief, there's just so much tension sometimes and heaviness in the air. And what God gives us in laughter is permission to release that tension and permission to receive the grace and the love of God even in imperfect scenarios and maybe especially in grief-filled scenarios, there's just this deep need to laugh. And so every time that I get the privilege to conduct a funeral for a family, I always make sure when I meet with them 
to get a couple family stories, you know, that people can remember and that make them laugh. And so whenever I get to share one of those stories at a funeral, and there is this sense of laughter after that happens, there's just such a different feeling in the room. When people have had permission that they can still be joyful. And so when we think about a fatherly love, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham and Sarah. And that when they were first told that in their old age that they're going to be parents, and one of the first responses is that Sarah laughs. God doesn't punish her for that laughter. Sometimes we think that faith or church has to be this solemn place all the time. But instead, God gives permission to laugh, to be joyful. And so one of the gifts of God's fatherly love to us, one of the things we can recognize about love and Father's Day, is that it can be humorous. You can laugh. And it's not all the same type of humor. I met someone outside today, um, and Katie told me he has a very dry sense of humor. <laughs> That's actually my favorite type of humor. So it doesn't have to be the same type of humor, not the same things are always going to make us laugh. Um, but that fatherly love that God shows us is permission and the need to be joyful and to laugh. So that's our first word, laugh. I want to move on to the second reading this morning. One of my favorite readings of the whole Bible comes from Romans 5. And so in his letter to the Romans in this section, Paul is talking about all these horrible circumstances that the apostles have had to endure. Remember that many of the times when we read these New Testament letters from Paul, he's writing them well in chains. He's writing them while being jailed or in prison. He's writing them while being chased all over what is today Israel and what was then the Roman Empire, what was then the, uh, what is today Turkey or the Greek islands. He's being chased and persecuted and being threatened everywhere he goes from religious authorities, from the governmental authorities. And so when Paul writes about all these tests that he's had to endure, and yet he still can say, hope, character produces hope, and hope will never disappoint us. Now, if we were experiencing the story of Paul without the promise of Jesus' resurrection, we could say that maybe hope disappointed Paul. And he never had children, family of his own. He never had the chance to grow to be an old man. He was killed because of his witness for Jesus. But Paul was still able to say, and we're still able to read, that hope will never disappoint us because of the promise that is ours through Christ Jesus. And so the second word I want us to help think about today when it comes to a fatherly love is the word endure. Paul says endurance produces hope. Now maybe a couple of you met my dad. He was here a couple weeks ago and was here when I was doing uh, the Lenten sermons. My parents live not too far from here, um, but they're in Texas this morning. Um, but my dad, he has a kind of enduring love. He's not a very emotional guy, doesn't like to share his feelings a lot, um, but he knows how to have that gift of presence. 
And so my mom gets kind of squeamish around any kind of medical procedure or anything that's um, a little bit painful. And so sometimes it would be my dad who would be with me when I was having anything medical that needed to be done. So right after college, I moved down to Southwest Florida. I uh, lived in Bonita Springs. I was working for the Naples Daily News. And when I lived there, I had to have my wisdom teeth out. And so at the time, I was on a reporter's salary, not very good health insurance. So I had to find the cheapest possible place to go and get my wisdom teeth out. Now that entailed meaning that I would be awake for the procedure. <laughs> and went up to see someone who later ended up being arrested for medical malpractice. <laughs> um, but the wisdom teeth ended up being fine. It's just that I was awake the whole time and so I could see shards of teeth flying through the air <laughs> and I could hear the surgeons talking about it as they did it. Um, but my dad was there for that, thankfully. I think my mom would have been totally freaked out. Um, but my dad was there and he just kind of stayed calm it took me after I had my wisdom teeth out, we got vanilla shakes at McDonald's for a few days afterwards and took care of me. And so I, I share that story just to, to talk about the kind of enduring, sometimes boring, sometimes gory kind of fatherly love that God shows us as example. That there's this opportunity to endure and to be present um, and I think there's a, a sort of permission in that word endure too, especially maybe for young dads or new dads or dads who are just getting this new role as father, even for older kids. Um, maybe you're coaching, maybe you're teaching, maybe you're helping out at church with confirmation or Sunday school, and you've had a particularly rough night with the kids. This word endure reminds us that the kind of fatherly love God gives us permission to participate in it doesn't change it all in one moment, um, but it keeps showing up. It keeps being there. It keeps enduring. And that's the kind of love that makes the biggest difference over the years. So we've got two words. We've got laugh. We've got endure. Our last one is a real kind of deceptively simple one. It's do. Now you could have a father who said all the right things, made all the promises, made all the big pronouncements of love. Um, but if that dad wasn't there when it counted, didn't actually follow through and do the things that they had said they were going to do, then that kind of love was empty. And so what we see today in our gospel reading is Jesus sending out the disciples to share the word of God. He says this, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What Jesus is saying is, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of options of things to do. There's a lot of people who say they want to participate in that harvest, but the truth is the ones who are actually willing to do the work are few. Well, a couple of years ago, I was serving in a rural congregation in southwestern Minnesota, even while still living in Minneapolis. And so for the first time, I got to go out and ride on the combine during the season of harvest of the corn and bean fields. And what I learned from a lot of the farmers 
who I worked with in southwestern Minnesota, is that it's a lot of work. There's a lot that constant need, constantly needs to be done. And that same work ethic that they brought to the field was the same work ethic that they brought to the church. There was a lot that needs to be done in a church, right? You guys familiar with that? But they were always willing to sign up and do. So whether it was needing to like water the piano, do you guys know that pianos need to be watered? These same farmers, they would take responsibility for making sure the piano was, I don't think watered is the right term, but <laughs> nonetheless, they would make sure that the liquid that needed to go with the piano was done, and the pastor didn't even need to understand it, clearly. <laughs> they would climb up into the church to get down the Christmas decorations, put them away. They would wake up early in the morning and bring out their big trucks to plow out the driveway in the parking lot for church. They did what needed to be done when it needed to be done. That's the kind of fatherly love that Jesus instructed his disciples to have, to go out to do, to share the word of God, not because of the reward that you expect, but because there is work, there is much work that needs to be done. And the greatest witness that you can give to someone else about God is to actually step up and do, to be who you've said that you would be, and to live out that example of God's selfless and caring love. So three words, laugh, endure, do. As many of us know, whether you have biological kids or just kids that you've cared for and loved. Parenting and fathering is acting without a guarantee of how your efforts are going to turn up. A God can relate to that a lot. Because creating as God does, giving life as God does to the whole world, means that God has acted without a guarantee of how God's efforts are going to end up in each one of us. But God continues to create anyway. And today God invites each of you, each of us, to do anyway. To do so with laughter. To do so enduring, knowing that God is enduring with us. And to simply go and do and to follow through with all the things that we've said we would do. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the example that you give us of a fatherly love that laughs, that endures, and that does what you say you're going to do. God, help us this week. Heal us in places of pain with our earthly fathers or with their absence. Be present in places of grief, God, especially for anyone who is celebrating their first Father's Day after the loss of a father. God, be with with new dads, with dads who are just embarking on a new journey of fatherhood. Be with all those, God, who seek to love in a fatherly way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
As you go this week, might you have time to laugh and to be filled with joy. Might you have strength and courage to endure. And might you have hope that as you do, God does along with you and fulfills the promises that God has said. Now may you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. 